and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is the first of four episodes in my teaching during the pandemic podcast series. I am no longer teaching, but I reached out to some of my friends who are teaching to join this series and help us get some more advice as you all enter this new wave of teaching. Today's episode is all about teachers who are in the classroom. We're going to talk about how you can keep social distance, how you can keep everything sanitized, and all of those other concerns. I have seven co-hosts, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves now. I'm Jenny Walmsley. I am on Instagram at littlelearners.bigfeelings. I teach a K-5 emotional support classroom in Pennsylvania. I'm Lachey Brown, and my Teachers Pay Teachers store is Reaching Exceptional Learners. My Instagram handle is Reaching Exceptional Learners. I teach a CDC1 program. It is kindergarten through fifth grade. Hi, I'm Sophie from Where I Ought to Be, and I currently teach a self-contained classroom kindergarten through fifth grade. Hi, so I'm Braylon Martin. Um, I am at That Special Educator on all social media, and I teach kindergarten through second grade self-contained. Hi, I'm Sam P. I am um, the ED Queen on Instagram, and I am in a self-contained classroom for students with behavior needs for grades K through five. My name is Laura. Um, my Instagram handle is Miss Lulu Special Ed, and I teach a middle school self-contained classroom. My name is Cassie Lutnager. Uh, my Instagram is Adventures in Behavior. I teach middle school, sixth through eighth grade, functional academics. Going back to school during a pandemic is no easy feat. We know all of you are having to put lots of protocols and procedures into place that you've never had to use before. Lachey, Sam, Sophie, and Cassie are all going to share some of the procedures that they're using to keep their classrooms safe and clean. So in my classroom right now, my students are... Um, on a hybrid model and my students half of them are actually in a virtual setting and half of them are in the classroom right now in the classroom setting we are administering certain protocols to make sure that we maintain their health and safety and what we are doing is um, we wipe down every single table after every use we wipe down all of the chairs we spray all cloth surfaces, and my students have individual stations in the classroom. So each one of my students has a certain section of the room, and that certain section houses all of their academic materials, it houses all of their manipulatives, it houses all of their rewards, and all of their educational items. Um, I also have a designated device for each of my students. 
um, and that is also housed in their items. So we really try to prevent any type of cross-contamination between students with germs and with adults by making sure that they are separated throughout the day as much as possible and we maintain social distancing whenever we are trying to interact with them. We're like living, breathing hand sanitizer right now, let's be honest. <laughs> so every station in my classroom has hand sanitizer. Um, at the beginning of the year we taught kids, you know, you leave the computer station, you get a pump of hand sanitizer, you know, you leave the workstation, same thing. Um, I think the biggest thing that I did, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, is I put um, Velcro around students' areas, so their desks or the areas that they're in. and that so that's like a six foot box that they have and um so so they know that you know if they need to go and take a mask break they can go there and that's a safe area for them to go but also it's a visual boundary for other students to not be in their area and honestly that's been the game changer it's been such a positive thing in the classroom um kids knowing that that's their safe area to go to um and they can go there and take a break from their mask and put it back on and re-engage um, in the classroom so just really that visual boundaries Lots of hand sanitizer. Um, we've done lots of visuals, visuals everywhere. I'm a visual heavy person. Um, so we have, you know, visuals on their desk of, you know, them wearing a mask in their schedule. They have visuals, you know, when they should and should not be wearing masks. So, I mean, I think it's the normal things we would do for any other behavior. We really have to think of wearing masks as any other target behavior we would work on and how would we program or how would we plan for that. I, the thought of me trying to keep my kids six feet apart, like truly kept me up at night. I felt like the weeks leading up to school, I was just like not in a great place because I have had this same position with the same students for several years. And I just, it was hard to have to abandon everything we've done and redo every single thing, every single procedure, every single routine. And so some of the things that we're doing is um, we've eliminated the areas of the room where kids are going to frequently touch things. So think like the cubby area, um, the area where they used to have all their joint supplies. They all have their own supplies in their own sections of the room. And what I did was I um, took any furniture, like extra furniture that my school had. And the most clear boundaries for my students is always furniture. Um, you know, we've tried the tape on the floor, but really the most concrete boundaries is going to be something that is physically um, there. And so we have basically sections in our room and each student has their own section. They have um, their work there in that area. And then they also have their reinforcers there. The only other area they do have access to in my room is um, a place we call break space. So we have a trampoline, we have yoga balls, um, but everything in that area is plastic and wipeable and it does encourage movement, which is huge and sensory input for my kiddos. So as much as I want them to stay in their areas all day, it's just not really feasible or I think appropriate. So um, in order for them to get their movement that they need. They do go from their personal areas to break space. And that's kind of how we've structured the room, but it's been really hard following all the guidelines and procedures that they expect of us for sure. We have all of our students six feet apart. We 
put tape on the floor where all of the tables are supposed to be, like the table legs. And then we put little social distanced icons where the chairs should be taped down. And so that's a visual for the kids, it's a visual for the staff. You know, sometimes tables get moved and so instead of us having to measure every single time, we can just put a table back where it's supposed to be. Um, the kids actually have done a really good job of um, adapting to it. I was really concerned at first just because I teach an alternate curriculum class, but even our, our guys that struggle a little bit more with, um, you know, learning new routines and things, they've actually done a really good job of learning. Uh, we have a few kids that are struggling with the masks, but we give mask breaks and we, you know, just reinforce for when they are able to wear it. And, um, you know, we've only been in school for four days, but I'm so shocked and pleased with how the kids have adapted. Due to the nature of our jobs, we might find that we need to be in really close contact with our students. That might be for physical needs, that might be for behavioral needs, that might be for support needs, but that's incredibly difficult to manage with COVID procedures in mind. So Lachey, Sam, and Jenny are all going to talk about how they're managing to support their students while keeping that distance. So right now in my classroom, my students do require physical prompting and supports within the setting. And we are actually assigned to a specific student for the week and we are doing a weekly rotation. So um, for one week, I will work with the same student and I will be responsible for toileting needs, um, meal times, and I will be the one that primarily works with them throughout the day. I'm also the one that takes them to inclusion. And I have that set up to where my students have primary contact with one adult throughout the school day and for the entire week to try and limit the, again, exposure, exposure to different germs. That is a great question. Also was a really big concern with us teachers going back into the classroom because obviously the number one safe or the one, number one thing we think about is we want to keep you know, students and staff safe. Um, one thing I know I've told my staff members is that we really need to um, think about um, when we're interve intervening with behavior, what's gonna be more at risk? So are the students gonna be more at risk the closer I am to them or am I gonna be more at risk? I think, you know, just from what the data shows, you know, with two people wearing masks, you know, we're more, you know, less likely to get COVID, but, you know, when one person takes their mask off, that really um, escalates that chance of getting COVID. And so, especially with our students who, let's be honest, when they go into behavior, the first thing that comes off is that mask. Um, and so, one thing I always tell my, tell my staff members is that they really need to keep that um, six feet, if not more distance. Um, a lot of times we position ourselves to the side of students. So if we do need to intervene for those self-injurious behaviors, we're not standing directly in front of them in the line of like them, you know, yelling or expelling um, things out of their mouth. We're really standing to the side um, or we're less likely to get things like that. Um, and then also making sure that when we're coming in, we're doing kind of that trauma-formed approach where we're coming kind of in behind them um, with that open hand, um, you know, in case we do need to intervene with those self-injurious behaviors. So I really think it's just the positioning of our body. The one thing that my 
director kind of told me early on in this whole process that has kind of sat with me through this is like, if our students needed it before COVID, they're going to need it now. And so our problem isn't so much like reimagining everything that we do, but finding a way to meet those needs just with this in mind. So like, for example, I have one student who used to keep a, um, like a weighted blanket over his shoulders, just to that heavy pressure to keep him calm. Um, and so we actually switched that out with a vest because it's something he can put on himself, he can take off himself, and it just requires less assistance from others for him. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one very simple example. Um, but in terms of, you know, with the self-injurious and the aggression, um, I'm very, very defined in my classroom in terms of their personal spaces, um, much more clear than I've ever been before. And honestly, that's just the best practice, COVID or no COVID. Um, but it's very, very, very defined in terms of how close they can get to their peers, which cuts back on some of the aggression, at least peer to peer, but also um, just providing them with those individualized in their kits, um, soft tools. Like I have one student who will hit himself in the head. Well, now he has a pillow in his kit that again, still a best practice, but having those tools for those self-regulation skills available to him that nobody else touches. And that kit is with him all the time so that a staff member doesn't even need to come near him to give him those tools. A lot of our students require hands-on materials to access their learning environment. And that can be really difficult to do when we're concerned about the pandemic. Laura, Sophie, Cassie, and Jenny are gonna share how they're still giving their students access to the materials they need while keeping all of those COVID precautions and procedures in mind. The best thing that I have found is to, we have a quarantine bin in the classroom, in the front of the classroom. And anytime they do a file folder or an adaptive book or any type of like hands-on activity, they go put it in that quarantine bin right away. And then at the end of the day, we take everything in there and we hide it in a storage room until the following Monday. So it just sits to the side for at least, you know, two to three days and then we can rotate it all back out. We also have a sanitation bin and that's for materials that have been put into mouths or, um, you know, whatever happens <laughs> in our classrooms. And that one we clean at the end of each day and then put it back out. I also have been doing um, break bins. So the students, instead of using classroom sensory bins or classroom toys, they all have their own individual bin and they can get that out during their breaks and play with that. And that has been really nice. And it also eliminates some of the transitions in the classroom because they don't have to go find things to do. For sure, everything is plastic because when we're cleaning, an easy way to clean plastic is to just soak it in soap and water or whatever. I know some districts are picky about like what cleaning supplies you use, but we can soak something like we have plastic teddy bear counters and plastic fruit counters. Those are really easy to just leave them overnight, soak, and then um, they can dry very quickly. Um, and so everybody has their own set of manipulatives and yeah, 
their own set and then plastic for sure. Nothing that is like cloth, nothing that is gonna be hard to clean. Um, yeah, that's what we're using. So we have buckets um, all around the room that say clean and dirty. And so when something that needs to be, like when something is used like a, a sensory toy or a fidget or a piece that is not individualized, um, we put it into the dirty buckets and then we know we can't use those again until they've been cleaned. We also have bins um, that say item quarantine and um, those are for items like uh, we have a sequins pillow so that a student touched that so it has to be put away for um, I think we said 72 hours before it can come back out because it's something we can't sanitize and so that's labeled as well and um, I have all those visuals as a freebie in my Teachers Pay Teachers store. So if anybody wants them, um, they can access those. So we, one of our main sources of reinforcement in my classroom is that we cycle through um, like a certain amount of time on task and then we go to free time. And we really problem solve like how are we still going to be able to provide free time for our kids because it's usually things like Legos or coloring or iPads or or whatever activity it might be and so we are actually putting together all of our materials that we usually use as those like activity reinforcers and each day we'll be making like print out labels of the items and putting individual like student amounts inside paper bags and then putting those labels on the paper bags for the students when they come in in the morning, the first thing that they'll do is they'll pick two to three free time options to use throughout the day. Um, they can earn through our token economy like privileges to either pick more than just two options or to switch their option partway through the day or to have an additional like special option to pick from. But really that like paper bag system They'll pick their bags, they'll rip them open, they'll pour them into a bin, then that's their bin for the day for their free time, and then they just pour the bin into our yuck bin at the end of the day. Those of you in the classroom are probably finding that you're now sanitizing way more in one week than you probably did all year long. We're gonna hear Sophie, Jenny, Lachey, Braylon, and Sam all give tips on how they're making the sanitization process happen in their classroom. This is probably my favorite question because it's so important to involve your kids in this. It can't be all of the parents, all, I mean, not the parents, all of the adults' responsibility. Um, so every day we stop about 10 minutes before dismissal and everyone gets their wipes everyone's wiping down every single thing that they touched um, and we're right there wiping down with them so that they can watch us wipe and we can help them clean as efficiently as possible because sometimes i well i know like the first day i gave my kids a wipe and they were like making tiny little circles and i we just it's a skill that definitely needs to be taught and practiced and so um, I think the biggest thing is just including your kids in that cleaning process. All of my students have individual like kits of any of their materials that they use, but we're also making, um, my BCBA likes to call it a yuck bin. <laughs> 
um, where we just have a bin of things that throughout the day as things are used and we're done with them, we just throw it in there. Then we fill that bin up with some sort of like disinfectant at the end of the day, let it out to dry, everything's ready to go the next day. Um, and we're actually using it as a behavioral tool as well, because if students are misusing a manipulative or a material in some way, that goes in the yuck bin too. So it kind of doubles there. Anytime we have an item that goes into a student's mouth, we obviously, we wash it with soap and water, we disinfect it, and I keep hand sanitizer at each station, I keep a trash can at each station, I also keep a thing of baby wipes at each station so that we can have quick access to everything that we would need. When we do leave the classroom, we have a pack with us that we take that includes sanitizer, tissues, baby wipes, and things like that, just so we're prepared outside of the classroom as well. So the first thing that I did was I made a list and a schedule of when we would sanitize. Um, so the schedule of my classroom even is um, pretty structured and I built in times of transition more than usual so that students can go and sit down so we can sanitize. Um, I also built in individual desks for students with individual caddies. So all of their stuff is housed um, in one place. And as much as I possibly can, they will learn from that space, uh, which is a bummer, but is safer, honestly. And when it comes to toys or manipulatives, um, they have a set for themselves. Um, and if it's a special toy, a student might get it for a week at a time. I honestly divvied them up in like large Ziploc bags. And then after a week, I sanitize them and then they rotate the toys. So students don't get like all of the choices. Um, they kind of have to stick with one for a couple days or a week. But um, yeah, in between when they're at different tables, we wash them down. If things fall on the floor, if things go in the mouth, we have um, buckets dedicated to that and we'll either put them in the dishwasher or um, clean them with different solutions. So that's kind of how we've been maintaining that. When it comes to social distancing, that is really tricky because some of my students need real support from like adults. <laughs> There's no way to social distance that way. But um, we made a lot of like markers on the ground. And um, like I said, with just the tables that they go to, if it's a small group, there's never kids sitting close together. They're like spread. So there's less kids in each group, stuff like that. Oh man. One thing I've learned this year is that, um, I, it's terrible to say, but we just did not clean enough before. And so now with this global pandemic going on, you're like, wow, like there's so much to clean. Um, but we have certain times of the day where staff will stop and we'll wipe down tables and chairs, um, you know, high frequency areas, um, like computers and tablets. Um, also some of our students have helped taken on that job. They'll wipe down tables, um, giving him that job um, and that ownership in the classroom. At the end of every day, all of our sensory tools we pull out, we spray them down, we wipe them down, let them sit overnight. Um, we've just also reduced the um, amount of turnover of objects students are using in the classroom. So we have like a bin, you know, if students use an object, they put it in the bin so we know it needs to get cleaned. Um, so it really was just like developing a whole like system around cleaning, <laughs> honestly.
Laura has a bonus tip that she's going to share that talks about how she uses a checklist to keep all of her staff on the same page when it comes to sanitizing the classroom. So I have um, a paraprofessional or a peer tutor assigned to clean um, desks and chairs every class period, the end of each class period. And then at the end of the day, we have a spray type cleaner that we clean high touch areas. So we'll do all the doorknobs and then the motor mat in our bathroom and everything. Um, and then we also just wipe down anything that needs to be wiped down that day. So it's usually just assigned to somebody and that way I don't have to try to remember to tell someone to do it. We just have a checklist and everybody knows what they need to do each day before they leave. Sam has two bonus tips for us. She's gonna talk about how she safely gives her students breaks from their mask if and when they need it She's also gonna share tips on how you can have students use their oral sensory chews while also needing to use a mask in the classroom. Goes back to that, that Velcro box that I put around their desk. So everybody has an area that they can go to and they know if they go to that area and there's visuals there that support um, that they can take off their mask um, but as, they know as soon as they leave that yellow box, they have to put their mask on. Um, but I mean, that's just been the biggest game changer for us is, you know, I mean, we know kids are going to have to take off their mask, especially with our kids with heightened sensory needs um, and, you know, issues with trauma um, and past experiences. We have to give them that opt to, to take, take their mask off, but we also have to make sure we're keeping other students and staff safe too. But yeah, really just that Velcro box was, was the biggest game changer for us. The lots of visuals. Um, we kept visuals on our lanyards so that we could just flash a visual to them, you know, if they're, they're walking around the room without a mask. The one thing, I mean, I, I feel like I keep saying it, but like having their own personal area that they could go to, um, you know, that they could take off their mask and use that oral chew. Or we have a lot of the smaller oral chews that like fit on the end of a pencil. Um, so that students, you know, I mean, they don't necessarily have to take off their mask. They could really just kind of slip it under their mask and they could chew on it. So the mask would still be on. Um, also gum is a great reinforcement um, for students who have, you know, sensory issues and need something to chew on. Um, and also kids love gum. They think that's so cool. <laughs> so that kind of is a replacement for, you know, kids who need that oral chew, but we also need them to keep their mask on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. The biggest thing we want you to know is that you're not alone in the struggles that you're facing. And I hope you heard something today that helps you feel more ready to go back into your classroom tomorrow. Be sure to tune in to the next episode of the podcast. It's all about hybrid teaching, but if you're teaching in person, you'll still be able to get some good tips from that podcast as well. Until then, take care of yourself. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. 
It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday.